Hello and welcome to Netflix, your weekly guide on what to binge this week. Barney Kinkle, the only person you're gonna scare is yourself! Charlie! What are you oh, doing? Keep the noise down. What are you doing here? Maze! Just in time. There's a whole load of police here. Send the word you're gonna hurt yourself. <laughs> How many children are you friends with? I'm Helen Daly. I'm Callum Cromlish, and this week we're here to discuss Stranger Things Season 3. Yep, it's the highly anticipated third season of the hit show, and while the kids are growing up, there's still aliens lurking around. We've got all the theories you're going to need to get you through the gap before Season 4. So, here's your warning. This podcast will contain huge spoilers <laughs> for Stranger <laughs> Things spoilers. Season 3. Enter at your peril. Here we go. Right, Strange Things, season three, yeah. Yeah, what yeah, an that, ending. That happened. Yeah, what an ending. Okay, from here on in, I'm going to overstate it again. Full spoiler, spoilers spoiler, for the whole, spoiler. whole season three, full, full spoilers. Okay. We need an alarm. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so at the end, which none of us saw coming, um, Hopper died. It straight yes. up, he he threw the Russian into the turbine and that started this whole electric wall thing. And then that was it. He couldn't do anything. Joyce had to turn the keys to destroy the uh, destroy the uh, machine that was opening up the upside down once again. And uh, that was it. You don't really see him die, but you see Joyce go over to him afterwards or Joyce go over to where he was afterwards. And um, yeah, he's not there anymore. And then she go, uh, Joyce goes to see Eleven and she's devastated, obviously. And then it jumps forward in time by three months. Um can we just have a moment, please? Yeah. Just... Yep, there we go. Okay, great. Silence is done. <laughs> I mean, Hopper's been, you know, he's been like the mouthpiece of the viewer for like three seasons now because he's the one that's at the sidelines of all this crazy alien stuff going on or the crazy monster stuff going on, going, what the hell? Really? Is this happening? You kids are crazy. Surely this isn't real. He's genuinely a brilliant character. Yeah. He's there constantly just delivering one-liners. He is... You know, also like sensible, yeah, mm. but then we'll question things and we'll yeah. be like, no, really? Aliens? Seriously? He is a real fan favourite and, mm. you know, we're obviously recording this before the episode comes out. There's going to be fans kicking off People are going to go this. mad. Well, I, I checked this morning on like all the subreddits and stuff and people are like freaking out about Steve Harrington. They're saying, oh, he better not die. He needs to be safe throughout this season. Steve, really? Yeah, because he's a big fan favourite. But I think they, I, I, I would presume people think Hopper is safe. Whereas Steve's kind of got no ties to anyone. Mm. He's not he's not with Nancy anymore. He's got a good friendship with Dustin. Whereas Hopper's like pretty tied to Joyce. He's uh, Eleven's dad now. So I kind of think people maybe assume he's safe. But he totally ain't, obviously. He's it's gone the safe now. ones that do go. Everyone should know better. This is it. So um, it was really devastating. And the letter read at the end by Eleven uh, from Jim's... Uh, uh, sort of speech that he was going to give back in episode two or three or something was really emotional and just I can see you welling up now it was just the worst (laughs) it was so good um yeah I mean you know we we kind of they were teasing us all through the season with Joyce and Mm. Jim you know getting together well they won't finally like everyone wanted it to happen you know we've talked quite a lot about the spin-off books you know even those authors they were like desperate for it to happen they kind of said it would happen and here we are. And even at the end of the season, eventually Joyce warms up and she says, okay, fine, let's go on a date. Friday night, 7 p.m. That really is the clangor. That's exactly. like Jim's going to die. Jim's said, gonna she die. said that and I was like, oh, no, this is it. <laughs> this is okay. And then literally they stand up and they go fight the Russians and then he's gone in the next breath. That's the last thing they say to each other. And it's just heart-wrenching. I think one thing to say is that it's so refreshing to see a death that is shocking and actually like worth it. Yeah, and... 
I, I didn't feel cheated by it. I didn't yeah. feel um, like, oh, they could have avoided that death or anything. Like they were up against the wire. Their kids were in danger. Dustin was screaming down the, the walkie-talkie, like you need to close the portal now. Like it needs to happen now. Joyce didn't have a choice. Joyce didn't have a choice. Um, okay. um, it, it, yeah, it, it needed to happen. I don't like it, but it was done really well. But mm. there may be hope. So this is the thing that we'll probably get into a bit more detail later. There's this like post, like mid post credit scene thing. And it jumps forward to like Russia and uh, the Russians go to open up one of these prison doors. And one says to the other, no, no, not the American. And then they go to the next door and open up and they get a Russian man out. But I feel like that not the American was too throwaway. There's no way like something. It could be anyone. It could be anyone. Absolutely. But my heart of hearts, I'm like, that's got to be Hopper. Maybe he was transported somewhere. Maybe he was transported to Russia. Why were the Russians in Hawkins to begin with? Did they have some sort of portal that they, they were using that we didn't see? Like, what was going on? I'm just clutching at straws. I need to see Hopper see, again, basically. Now, my mind is casting back to, is it in episode two, mm. where um, that cute old lady has a rat in her, in her yeah. basement? <laughs> And then it like explodes and mm-hmm. then melts yeah. and then comes out of the cage and then reforms. Yeah. Is that an exploded character? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, so those rats obviously go into the mind flower and they make the whole beast at the end of it. But if, if Jim were to explode and then somehow reform or something, I don't know. Anything's possible in this weird Stranger Things world, right? So if he was somehow gathered up by the Russians and he could reform or something, I don't know, man. It's just... I controversially do not want it to be Jim. Okay. Because I'm very much a when they're dead, they're dead. I, Unless I, they're Jon Snow. Spoiler. I do agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, I do agree with you. I think it may be a little bit of a cop out if they brought him back, but I do want to see him back. But I just think that that line was like too throwaway. Maybe that's just the hope they're trying to give me before they next season go, no, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Remember that line? It meant nothing. Yeah. Don't think about it. Um, yes. Yeah, so that's Jim and Joyce. That is the main fallout from... Yeah you know, the full series. However, we also have Eleven yeah. losing everything, literally. Well, precisely. So that kind of cascades into um, Eleven's sort of situation. So she loses her powers after a brutal battle and then she gets uh, like a parasite in her leg, which they have to cut out, which is really gruesome. Um, that's the thing. A lot of the horror in this is like a lot of body horror, isn't it? It's awful. There's, you know, <laughs> gross rats exploding and becoming like blobs of flesh and bones just and it's crawling like kind along. of torturous as yeah, well it's it, it lasts just a second too long and you're like really no, stop it stop it stop it whereas i think previously it was a lot more horror watch around the corner like in season yeah. one we didn't get a glimpse of the demogorgon for like three episodes i thought it was thing. ghosts in season exactly. one like, honestly you you were kind of it was left up to your imagination a lot in season one season two more so you had the uh the mind flare and the upside down yeah. it was like a smoke monster Very like a sci-fi. shadow thing super yeah Whereas in this, it was pretty much like, nope, you're going to see everything. People are yeah. going to get ripped open and you're going to see it. And it's it's whoa. really gory. And it, it actually came as quite a surprise to me, mm. um, the tone of it. I, you know, obviously I know you're going to get like a bit of a scare at Strange Things. However, this was like full on slasher film horror, mm-hmm. which I personally don't choose to watch. So I was a little bit uncomfortable with it. Um, was it necessary all the time? Probably not. Did I mind it in the end? a touch yeah you know it, it didn't take too much away from it because i thought the story was all right but yeah there was a lot of horror and i think that could put some people off like mm. especially like younger teenagers who are into the season yeah because i think season one again kind of anyone could watch that it's scary sure it's horrifying but you don't see anything it's gruesome friendly and it's yeah, yeah. And it's in a high school <laughs> like, um, this is not whereas this yeah i couldn't let my like 10 year old niece sit down and watch it no. because it's really grim um but to go back to 11 sorry so um yes, 11 
So she loses her powers from this battle. Uh, Jim's obviously dead. So she kind of moves in, because it jumps three months later. She moves in with Joyce, Will, and Jonathan, and then they move. They go away. They go. They move elsewhere in uh, in the country into another state. Um, you know, so she's kind of lost everything now. She lost her powers. She lost her father. She lost her boyfriend. And Mike's saying to her, like, "Oh, you know, we'll carry it on. We'll see each other at Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever." Um, but it seems like a bit of a big break for them as well, because. That that's all they've known from each other, you know. They've only ever been together, whether they were hiding around in a tent in the garden or as boyfriend and girlfriend in two and three. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with them next season because there's always, you know, young relationships. Maybe they're fleeting in TV shows or whatever. Maybe you'll ever meet someone new. Maybe Mike meet someone new. I mean, I was really concerned actually before we started this season. I know we've discussed it on previous podcasts. Um, I was really worried that they would waste 11 that mm. it would just be oh she comes in she saves the day again boom end of season next season the exact same thing yeah because we've had two seasons of 11 saving the day so yeah i was really pleased that they give us something else i was really pleased that they reduced her to nothing mm-hmm. really um and it you know it set the pace again for a new a completely new season where you don't really know what's going to happen because I honestly thought that she would die this season. I thought that would be it. I for thought 11. it was going that way. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it was really refreshing. However, what was not refreshing was seeing the constant makeout scenes with her and Mike yeah, in the so, opening. Oh, I, I felt so uncomfortable. It was not right. And uh, that, that sort of those sort of scenes showed how good Hopper was, or David Harbour was yeah. as Hopper as well, because he's like this seething, like chief of police. Just oh, my daughter's making out in the next room, and he I can't took even on the do dad anything. Role so it was well, so good. Yeah, really it was brilliant. It. But yeah, yeah. No, I'm really, really, really happy for Eleven. Um, what do you think that season four could hold for Eleven? Um, so we get at the end, Mike and Eleven saying, you know, we'll see you at Thanksgiving, we'll see you at Christmas. And season two was based around Halloween, right? Remember the Ghostbusters? Yeah. And then this season was 4th of July, lots of fireworks in the last fight. So maybe that was sort of a nod towards, hey, next season we're going to give you a Thanksgiving episode or thanks- uh, a Christmas episode or Christmas season. Just like slinging turkey yeah, at each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if they're going to, if they physically have to come back to Hawkins just to be near their friends, it would make sense that, you know, the buyers and uh, Eleven would come back for Christmas, see everyone, but also they have to close the upside down door again or something like Unless that. Unless they do something epic and, you know, change location completely. It's tr- I don't know if they, I agree with you, that would be epic and very unexpected, but I feel like Hawkins is such a standpoint of the series now that that's where they will want to stay. But there's a lot of bad memories there for him, so I don't know, who's to say? But um, season one and two kind of felt like you could watch them back to back and get this, the whole story, you know? It was the Demogorgon and then he was owned by the Mind Flayer and then in season two, the Mind Flayer's fought and defeated and blah, 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 and that's done. Season three feels like the beginning of another two-parter, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It brings back the night, my, Mind Flayer. It shows you what he's really capable of, what he can do to the town, enslaving people, all sorts of crazy stuff. And it doesn't feel like it's over yet. We saw the Russians come in and make this portal to uh, the Upside Down and bring the Night Flare back, but we don't really see why. We just see that they're doing it. We never get an explanation. And then at the end of the thing, end of the season with the post credit scene, we get the the jump to Russia and they've got a Demogorgon stashed, stashed away, which we'll get to as well. Um, and they're feeding it and keeping it alive and everything. So why are they doing that? Why are they keeping this? So I feel like there's going to be a lot of, a lot more ties in season four with Russia and why that organization is dealing with the upside down. Because again, who wants to open that portal? <laughs> We've tried that. It doesn't work. Like you Stop can't it. tame them. Stop it. Um, I so- guess we are, you know, Stranger Things is set in the context at the minute of the Cold War. So mm, mm. 
I'm guessing this is just before it starts. Maybe season four will be yeah, exactly. during the Cold War. And it's a neat take on it, you know, like bringing the Demogorgons back, the Mind Flayer, and saying, oh, look what the Russians are doing mm. in the Cold War setting. Like it's, you know, it's a nice take on, on history, mm-hmm. really. And it, it's a nice way of bringing the context in because we know that Strange Things brings in history very, very well, but it's all in a very... Um, consumerist way not to get all dissertation yeah. on you but um i'm yeah. all about it though that's my favorite kind of reference when they brought out the new coke and they were talking about yeah. oh that's not as good as the original stuff and lucas is like what are you talking about it's way better it's just so funny because i know my parents are talking about that back in the day yeah it's just little things that make you like completely 100 aware of where you are what year it is so yeah i think it's it's another nice way of just involving stranger things like and mm. really ingraining it in history yeah where it obviously wasn't ingrained before of course it works i think it works mm. um and i think also next season because we've we've got season four confirmed right like that's signed sealed that's do it that's done that's happening we don't know anything further than that we don't know if there'll be a season five so if season four is the last one i feel like they've opened this death door now you know they've they've killed two people they killed billy they killed hopper within minutes of each other I think next season there's going to be more, maybe bigger sacrifices. You know, maybe one of the core, like four kids will die. Maybe 11 will have to kill, like get killed to save them all. Like, I don't know. I think it's going to be bigger and more horrifying next season. The kids really have to die soon. They've been incredibly lucky. Super lucky, especially like the Russian facility with Dustin and Erica. They were just running through it with a taser. Like someone caught you there. Infiltrating, they're spying, like, and like nothing. Like they have to be caught at some point. There needs to be some repercussions. Send them to bed. (laughs) What was your kind of thoughts on the new characters? Because one thing that I noted was there's a lot. There and is it's a lot. quite hard to keep up with them. I find it, I kind of, I kind of thought it worked though. Uh, Cause we get Robin who is Steve's colleague from the ice cream place or Ahoy Scoops or Scoops Ahoy. Sorry, my mistake. Um, and uh, <laughs> really, really well-named ice cream parlor. <laughs> um, you get Robin who's at the ice from the ice cream parlor and you get Erica who is Lucas's uh, younger sister who's been in it, but she hasn't really been in it, you know? Yeah, we love Erica. She's, she's amazing. Good. The standout line of the show for me is you can't spell America without Erica. <laughs> absolutely slayed me. Um, but they both kind of bring stuff to the table. Erica, it turns out, is some kind of math genius and she starts doing equations in her mind in a split because second. Because of course. Uh, exactly. And uh, Robin, she knows like a thousand languages and she decrypted this Russian code in like a day. Like because less of than course. A day. <laughs> exactly. It's cool. It's like I said this in my review, which is on Express.co.uk. Um, nice. You, they, um, it kind of acts out like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, which is obviously the basis of this. Yeah. Uh, and doing a lot of it recently myself, you can see where they're like bringing their own flavors into the party. You know, Erica's brought her math with, Robin's brought her languages and they're sort of building this like D&D party and it's really cool. And I think it worked well. Um, but Robin's really interesting and she kind of keeps Steve grounded, I think. Uh, and the... Um, and uh, the the scene with her and Steve in the bathroom where she came out that she was gay was like uh, really good for Steve. I think it was sobering for him because he kind of realized like, oh, not every woman in the world loves me. Yeah. Not every woman in the world wants <laughs> yeah. to get in my pants. Like it was really good for him. And he was like, oh, okay, we can be friends now rather than a potential love interest. Um, and Erica, she is, yeah, like I said, she's just unbelievable. She well, was awesome. She's an America. Ex- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Susie. Yeah, so Susie, yeah, so we didn't believe uh, Dustin's girlfriend, no one believed that Dustin's girlfriend was real, but then in the end... Poor Dustin. Poor Dustin, I know. <laughs> they doubted him. And, How uh, horrible, I know. he's such a nice guy. Uh, I think it was the last episode. Uh, they, you know, they reveal that she's real and she, they start singing this amazing never-ending story rendition over the radio and it's freaking adorable. Um, 
but yeah, they made her a set and they cast her and she was really, she could sing and she could act and she was really good. So, um, I get a feeling if, if they're going to keep adding people each season, like they did with Max last season and Billy and this season, they've got Robin and Erica. Maybe they'll bring Susie into the mix next year, uh, next season, not next year. Uh, maybe she's got a sibling. Uh, maybe that sibling could get together with uh, Nancy now that she's single because Jonathan's gone. That'll maybe make a nice love triangle. There's lots of threads here, Helen. That could be happening. They're going <laughs> around in my head. Threads. <laughs> Just It's nonstop in this brain. Um, but yeah, all in all, I really like the new characters. I think they worked well. I think they added to it, which I think is difficult to do when you've got such a large cast already. Yeah. Um, I, I did get lost, I will admit. Um, and then you kind of see, you know, probably after this episode four, you mm. kind of see who's actually important, who you need to be paying attention to. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you needed everyone. Like they could have just given another kid, like give Will something to do. Cause he's like doing absolutely nothing. Well, yeah. Cause, cause he gets the sort of power throughout the, throughout the series, doesn't he? He, he gets that thing where he realizes where the mind flayer is and he like touches his neck and he's like, oh, the mind flayer is here. But that's kind of all he does. He doesn't yeah. get in any fights. He doesn't do any, anything else. For really. me, he's kind of useless. Yeah. Like he could go. But he had his, yeah, it's strange. Cause he had his season in season two, really yeah, when he, he was, he was gone for most of season one. Um, season two he was back and he was doing this whole thing where he spit up that gross slug thing but yeah I agree with you I didn't think about that um, they could have put him in the situation with Dustin and made him a math whiz like we don't know yeah he um, didn't need to yeah he could have been the maths whiz I think probably you needed Robin um, it was quite a nice double act I guess uh, Susie was a nice touch but then when that's all well and good but then you obviously have this massive Russian cohort yeah. and trying to keep up with everyone there mm -hmm. It it felt a little bit too much. I think if I had a criticism, I found it very difficult to follow yeah, in terms I, of the characters. I agree with you in that sense. In the middle, middle episodes, middle couple episodes, there's a lot of scenes with Alexei and the man who can speak Russian. I can't remember his name. Maury? Maury? Anyway, he's like the crazy ex-journalist who's a conspiracy theorist and what have you. And oh, he, yeah, and you've got all the journalists. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And he can speak Russian and everything. So there's a lot of conversations between Hopper, Joyce, Alexei and the journo. Um, whereby Hopper says something to Maury, he translates it to Alexi, Alexi says something, he translates it back, and you've got this whole ring happening where you everyone's translating and everyone's <laughs> talking, and it's just like, just you could cut this out. You, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a lot to, lot to do. One thing as well with that is that you did get a lot of more light and shade than mm. a, a few you've got in seasons one and two. You have some genuinely quite funny moments, um, with especially with Max and Eleven, when they're going around the shopping mall and stuff and they're just girls having a good time. Yeah, the boys are fun. worrying about like what the girls are doing, like whether they're yeah. still interested. That's quite sweet. Like that's quite nice. Um, and then, you know, you have obviously the horror that we've like discussed previously. I thought it was a lot more obvious and less um, kind of tied together mm -hmm. perhaps this season. Yeah, there's a lot of threads in it, isn't there? Because last season there was sort of the kids and then Jop Jopper, Hopper and Joyce. <laughs> oh, he shipped them. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I call them privately. Um, whereas in this, yeah, you've split the kids up and you've got Hopper and Joyce. So there's like three yeah. parties at all times happening. And every now and then you'll get a flash of Billy and what he's up to. The Russians. The Russians. Newspaper. And, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's too much. It, for one town, it's too much. Sure. I think. Um, so in terms of the story, what are we saying? We liked? We I think. Like. Okay. 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 I'm very excited by this season. I know, I can tell. You are I, literally bouncing. I think this is the best season of the three so far. I think it was just so good. It's probably what we just said and the, you know, it gets a bit padded in the middle. Um, like the story itself is so good. It doesn't ever tell you too much. Like I said, with the Russians. And that's fine. Yeah. You need that. It was great. Like, that, like I said, with the Russians, you learn that they're doing bad stuff. You never learn why. I don't know why they're doing these things. I don't know what they wanted to do with 
the upside down if they opened it up. I guess that's just the Cold War kind of exactly. narrative creeping in. And then the mind flayer's back. He never really says why. He just turns up and he's like, Eleven, I'm going to kill you. And, <laughs> Yo. <laughs> yeah, and like, but they give you enough that you're like, what is going to happen? And then just events transpire. And like the whole season takes place over what, like two days or something? Yeah. It's, it's just so compact and so well written. I love it. I didn't feel like... So back in season two, do you remember that there was that episode where... Um, Eleven went off to Seattle or Boston or something, and she met those other kids. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah she did. Yeah, met those other kids who had powers or whatever, and it like didn't work. There was a whole episode, like a whole hour and a half of like it was bad. Like it was not enjoyable. It didn't matter towards the series whatsoever. In this, they didn't have that. Everything was needed pretty much. Um, although there's some characters in there that could have had their lines cut or whatever, like all of it was just so worth it and everything was needed throughout the whole plot and the narrative arcs of everyone was great. And everyone had their own narrative arc. Like Lucas learned how to like not treat his girlfriend badly. <laughs> yeah. Mike and Eleven worked out their relationship. Jim and uh, Jim and Joyce like got together and then they had their whole thing. Like, everyone had something that they learned from the season and it was so good, Helen. <laughs> I mean, I know Callum quite well. <laughs> quite well. And it... He is not normally this impressed by a show, so it must be. I really be loved it. It's so up my street good. already. Like, obviously, it's really up my street anyway, but I think it's just so well written. Yeah. I don't think anyone could... I think anyone could jump into this this season and enjoy it and, like, maybe have a few blind spots, sure. Like, the references to the D and, to D&D and the Mind Flayer and what have you, they'll, they'll miss that. But other than that, I think anyone could watch this season and just love eight hours of TV. It's so yeah. good. Helen. I think for me, I think I, it's... Stranger Things has never reached the dizzying heights of season one for me. Like that was just brilliant and genius, mm. etc. I think it is coming to a natural end, and I kind of hope it does. I don't want, I don't want us to be sitting here mm. in five years' time, being like, "Oh, it's Stranger Things season eight, mm. like it's back." I think you know, end it while it is good. Like not many shows do that now, and yeah. end when it is good. I think overall, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I'm not raving mad like about mm-hmm. you, yeah. <laughs> about it like you are. But um yeah no I thought it was a really good story. You know some good characters and worth a watch. Good. I agree. Everyone should watch it right now. <laughs> they I hope they have watched it. Oh, if they've yeah, got this too. far. <laughs> Everyone should watch it again. Um but yeah I agree I'd, I'd like it to wrap up next season. It, I'd like to clarify this Russian business sort out what's doing with that maybe a really horrible sacrifice at the end, like season three, and then wrap it up in a neat little bow. Um, do you think Stranger Things could hap- could work as an anthology series? Do you think season five could be a new set of kids? Do you think it could be a new town, new story? Uh, see, now the thing is, if they're going to do that, they need to rethink the whole mm. time and historical aspect of it. This is very much an 80s show. Mm-hmm. This is set in the 80s. The context is very clear. Maybe if they brought it into the 90s and and kind of adapted it that way, mm-hmm. they could. But, you know, you'd still have the kids there. So I think if they wanted to redo it, it would have to be in a different town. Yeah. And like The Walking Dead show that it's a worldwide kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whether they should, I don't know. I really don't know because I think you've got these iconic kids that, you know, in terms of the actors, have become massive stars from this now. Like, you just don't want to over-egg it mm-hmm. ever. And I think doing more than four seasons, unless season four is amazing, they need to do a fifth. Five tops mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it, it, I don't want it to be too much. And although true de- seasons like True Detective and or anthology series and they work because they're sort of five episodes, six episodes, story hold done. I don't think we could get another four seasons of... Uh, you know, an entirely different crew. I don't think it would have the same magic. And like you said, season one was so like dizzyingly good and came out of nowhere and 
wasn't what we expected that I don't think they could recreate it without attempting to top themselves. And then when they do that, it like never really works, does it? And I, I think, you know, as well, the Duffer brothers clearly have, you know, we've got this far, I'm not even mentioned the Duffer oh, brothers. God, yeah. <laughs> they clearly have an incredible imagination. Mm. They're, they're very talented writers. You know, I'm sure they could like turn their attention somewhere else, create a brand new series, you know, work with Netflix again and, you know, do it all over again, create something that's just as good, yeah. but different. I think everything has an end and I think we're coming to it. I agree. Much like this podcast. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> you got me. Okay, so we're here with Stefan. Hello, Stefan. Hey, how are you? He's back again to discuss films. So this time you're talking about Shaft, right? Mm, I am. What is it? It's Netflix. Um, They've had a go at updating. It's the original 1970s kind of black action hero. He was quite groundbreaking in his time. Then Samuel Jackson had a remake. And now Samuel Jackson's back again, but with a kid. So... uh, (sighs) I've been waiting all week to say this, but it has been shafted by the critics (laughs) and by everybody. I know it was worth the wait. (laughs) Um, And I was kind of up for it. I was kind of looking forward to it. So I'll kind of, I'll set the scene. It's, there's all this de-aging going on. So it starts with Sam Jackson in a car, de-aged, making out with his woman. And it's all a bit trashy and a bit tacky. And he kind of pushes her head into his lap, which is quite a lot of that kind of thing (laughs) in in the show. But it's actually because people are about to open fire on the car and she doesn't know that. Um, So there's a big shootout, blah, 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 blah. He kills everybody. She's screaming. And then she's like, babe, I can't do this anymore. Pan back. And there's this little gurgling baby in the back seat of the car that's just been shot out. So, you know, cool child services. It's kind of, it's funny, it's entertaining, but it's also really wrong. Um, So she kicks him out and she's like, I don't want you in our lives. And she goes off and she raises this lovely kind of fine, upstanding, preppy, neat and tidy young man that's everything his father isn't. So that's all cool. Uh, Jesse T. Usher is great in the role. He's really, really engaging. He's very much like a young Will Smith. It has that kind of vibe to it. He's a bit geeky, not overtly kind of masculine, but really lovable and all the rest. So that that works for me. But his best friend gets killed. He can't get any help. He's an FBI analyst, can't get help. So he goes bizarrely for the first time looking for his dad, who opens the door with a mouth covered in glitter. And the door opens and there's a stripper standing there with her body covered in glitter. So you know where his mouth's been. And that kind of sets the tone um, and Samuel Jackson is 70, playing 60, just playing an overgrown sort of ghetto kid. And I just, the whole thing, I don't know what's going on with the tone. It's It could have been really fun. It's all based around who killed his best friend. But there are such ludicrously overblown, lingering, mysterious looks at the funeral between two of the soldiers that you're like, do you want to wave a flag and put a subtitle sign up? They did it. <laughs> They're dodgy. Uh, and the film, that's about as subtle as the film gets. It's been really slammed by critics for being sexist, misogynist, homophobic, transphobic, and just plain poor taste. And I kind of have to agree. It it could have got away with it, but it just doesn't. It's so relentlessly poor taste. Young Shaft's best friend, and they don't realise they're in love with each other, but everybody else does. She's really cool. Um, and she's just waiting for him to realize he loves her. But then there's a big shootout. He doesn't like guns. There's a big shootout. He picks up a gun and shoots everybody in sight. And she slow-mos this look of 
hot adoration what a man type rubbish and you're like oh no he picked up a gun and suddenly and there's a horrible running joke this organization his best friend was an ex-vet from the military and he's got it's um what's it brothers looking after brothers and there's this running joke that it sounds a bit gay and it sounds a bit like are they on the down low and shaft's literally older shaft's son is there something you want to tell me and the son's like, no, 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 no. Um, and he's like, is that, do you swing that way? And he's like, no, no, no. And then relentless use of the P word for do you like a cat, so to speak. And that just goes on and on. And it's just, it's the first time I felt badly about Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. So what is Ever. this? Is this a comedy? Is this an action? Because it doesn't sound very funny. <laughs> it's, it's definitely an action and it wants to be a thriller except it's so obvious who the bad guys are from the start. So there's no big shocker. There's lots of shootouts. There's lots and lots of shootouts. Um, So it's action, not a thriller, although it wants to be. It wants to be, I don't know, it's trying to be kind of postmodern tongue-in-cheek. There are jokes about Aldershaft crashes at his, his son's place and can only find coconut water in the fridge and drinks it and then spits it out and ha 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 oh you millennial lots of cracks about millennials um his loft space with the exposed brick walls he's got a lord of the rings poster and some lacrosse sticks on his wall so he's the perfect young millennial which his father hates because the relentless message is he's not a man he's not a real man and it could have been just witty if everyone was in on the joke and you're making fun of millennials and there's lots to make fun of and they'd probably make fun of lots as well yeah, yeah it's easy but the subtext is they're not, his father literally drops lines about you're not a real man or this is what a man is. Men don't apologize. Men do, don't do this. Men. Uh, and I'm kind of cringing. Yeah, <laughs> sounds a bit tone deaf. And I don't know. I think it, it thinks it's funny. I think it thinks it's smart and a bit of a commentary. I, I have a feeling it might do quite well. Um, just for well, the cast probably alone will sell it. Yeah, a bit. the cast is great, and it brings back the original um, Richard Roundtree, who played Shaft originally. So he right. then comes in as Grandpa. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, although he's actually four years older than Samuel Jackson, so but he's his well, he's his uncle, not his father, but presumably the next generation. But they're literally the same age. But the older one has a white beard, and Samuel Jackson has a very painted on black beard because he's younger. Um, (laughs) that's about the level of subtlety and I don't know how to like if if you were scanning across and you looked at the the poster for Shaft what would you think? Um, I I genuinely don't know because I thought that the logo which we have on the table now looks a little bit comic booky and I was like Mm. and then you start saying you know there was jokes (laughs) attempts at jokes thriller drama and I was like what is this film? Like it's not really selling itself to me especially with the poster I don't know Callum, you were really excited for this. Yeah. I'm looking forward to w- to watching it, but like I, f- I feel like in a bad way, like you know, an ironic way. Yeah, like, yeah. I feel like it's going to be a bad film. I didn't realize it had offended people, so that's not great to hear. But yeah, it looks. I was interested because I've seen the original, well, not the original, but the, the Shaft with Samuel Jackson in yeah. before, and I was looking forward to seeing if that does it like continue on from that. Yeah, is it like it's, a direct it's, sequel. They are all those members of the family. Right. That is that is who they are. So it is it's part of that in comic book terms universe. Mm. So yes, um, but. I looked at the post and just thought, okay, it looks a bit kitsch and a mm. bit retro and it could just be slick. Yeah. Uh, the feeling I got, I, I thought they were going to like edge it up a little bit and make yeah. it sort of uh, John Wicky where he's yes. just like a, 
you know, a real killer with a gun, but yes. he's, you know, a police officer and that kind of angle on it. But well, that sounds a bit, yeah, not it, really. It, it could have been slick. It could have been, I'm fine with the violence, you know, in the right place, kids and all of that. And I'm fine with a bit of borderline offensive humor, as long as you know that everybody's in on the joke. But I kept watching it thinking, I'm not sure they're joking. That was the problem. Like, lots of people still believe these things. Lots of people from different generations still believe these things. Lots of people from different cultures or backgrounds or different educations or economic situations still believe these things or whatever. But these people making the film shouldn't. So either they're just accurately portraying what people in those situations would do um, and allowing you to make your own judgment, or it's just poor taste. But the representation of the poor... like when he went to the downtown drug crack den, I've never seen so much peeling wallpaper in my life and sort of holes in the floorboards. It was such a cliche. And there was literally a female hooker hanging out of a doorway going, hey, for 10 bucks this, for five bucks this. And there was, I'm sure you'll appreciate Callum, there was a sassy kid on a bike Oh yeah, that was offering to sell information. <laughs> and then when he held out his hand to give him a bit of money, the kid took all the money and then cycled off because we haven't seen that a million mm. times. It's not giving you a real feel for how awful that world is and part of that world is for the most poor the most disadvantaged it reduced that to kind of ridiculous cliches as well because it's like you know previously you know you can use cliches um very well very effectively you know cut time cut the storytelling element of it if you need to just get on with the action yeah however when it's problematic, then, you know, you need to think about whether that's the right choice to make. And it sounds in this one that it's not the right choice. And I, I you know, I have to wonder why have they remade it in 2019 yes. if they're going to do such a questionable job on it? I don't know if both of you have mm. opinions on this. Well, I figured they were doing it and introdu- introducing his son, Shaft Jr., to yeah. introduce a new generation, yes. i.e. me, into the Shaft universe, yeah. as it were, and yeah. maybe get like another Shaft TV show or a, another movie from it. And but by representation. The sounds of it, exactly. But by the sounds of it, it's just Samuel Jackson doing his like you know comedy bits from the 70s, even though they're not funny anymore or they're not accepted anymore as well. Yeah, I, it, <clears> it feels to me, and I don't know, and I, I don't work close with Netflix, so it's just an opinion but it it feels almost that this is a samuel jackson vehicle he Mm. gets the best lines he gets the most screen time uh yes there is an awareness that his character is flawed and problematic and and it doesn't shy away from that but it feels to me like samuel jackson either came with the project or they went to him and went hey do you want to do this but he's in the driving seat so that's the problem i have with it to me it feels like he was in the first film as well so it kind of the whole project comes with him attached Mm. and him i absolutely sure you know rather like let's say daniel craig with james bond at the moment and all the nightmares that are happening over there i feel possibly that the star has quite a lot of power in this case so for me i feel like it's it's his show and and if it wasn't he's big enough to go oh guys i think maybe yeah but bit the, of an influence. relentless use of the p word referring mm. to women all the time just it's 2019 and I don't know. I don't know that you can get away with it. I mean, the son has a problem with the father using the N-word um, and says, don't do that anymore. And they sort of go and, and carry on. But the women in this film, appalling. It sounds <laughs> a little bit bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a cool girl from Love, Simon, who we love. Oh, really? Um, yeah, the one that plays his other best friend, his newer best friend. She's absolutely, Alexandra Ship. She's brilliant. Uh, Regina Hall, 
has done tons of stuff. She's really excellent as the mother. She has a really fantastic little scene. But the way that the women's roles are drawn, especially the secondary women, they're all hookers and drug addicts and downbeats. And that's, and yeah, I, yeah, I can't defend it. And it wasn't brilliantly, cleverly funny enough to get away with it or to take it as a package. Yeah. It wasn't good enough anyway. It's one thing using settings and backgrounds as a cliche, but then when you're using mm. females as cliches as well. Mm. Yeah. Like the, the slow-mo of her, it reminded me almost of Transformers. There was that time when I think yeah. a car flew over the top of Megan Fox of or course, someone. Yeah. The hair was blowing in slow motion and her <laughs> cleavage was heaving. And this girl literally looked like she was slightly on heat as she saw him pick up a gun and start. And it did it in slow motion, like this smile and her eyes widened and she flushed a bit. And I was just like, An no, <laughs> no. And I felt bad for her. She's a cool young actress and reduced to that as well. Despite. So not a good rating from you. No, what are you giving it? I, I, I would give it barely two stars out of five if I rated it. Um, and I would say, sorry, Callum, find something better to do okay. with your, You've convinced with your me. Friday night. Because, I'll go see Spider-Man. Yeah, it will leave you just feeling a little bit of a bad taste. Mm. And it could have just been crap. And that would have been fine if it was rubbish. Ugh, that was a bit rubbish. But it left me feeling a bit annoyed and upset. And yeah, when you're actively like hating on it, then yeah, <laughs> yeah it's gone it, too it far. It was just a bit too wrong. So I'm sorry, Samuel L. Jackson, because I love you, but not as much as I used to because of this. Um, but no, I'm sorry, guys. Avoid. So that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us to chat about Stranger Things. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, comment and tell your friends about us. Join in with the debate on Twitter at NetflixPod where we'll be teasing details of our next episode. So next week we're going to be, Callum, prepare yourself. We're going to be discussing tacos. I love tacos. <laughs> I know, right? So, um, yeah, to celebrate Netflix's new show, The Taco Chronicles, which I know is on everyone's list already, we're going to be doing a food special because genuinely, you know, food as a genre is a massive, massive market. There's a lot of great shows on Netflix. Nailed It, for mm -hmm. example. Yeah, The Chef Show recently came out. Yeah, so we're going to give you the rundown on everything that you absolutely have to see from the food genre on Netflix and um, there's a lot and personally food is a big hobby of mine as in I like eating it <laughs> yeah I mean I may bring tacos in food <laughs> can we please <laughs> I mean so if you like crunching if you like slapping chops like <laughs> you'll hear that next week so Great. tune in to find out more you absolutely don't want to miss that one <laughs>